This is the Jesus Only Speaks the Truth podcast. My name is Dennis McGee Jr. Today is Wednesday, April the 14th, 2021. It is just after 4 o'clock in the afternoon here in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. How do we get a lot of people back to church? How do we get a lot of people back to church? That's my question I'd like to pose. Ponder that for a brief moment. As we contemplate that question, I think the it, it actually begs a, a, a question upon itself, which is what prevents so many people from going to church? Obviously, you know, there's, there's, there's people that go and there's people that don't. But how do we, how, how would we theoretically, how do we get just a lot more people there, right? Question we then ask ourselves is what, what prevents a lot of people from going to church, from going to Mass weekly. I'm talking specifically uh, those of, of, of the Catholic faith. How do we lead them back to church each week? So if we ask ourselves, well, what prevents so many people from going? Uh, there's a lot of different answers that I think we would get if we were to do you know, some market research and really drill down and, and get an honest response from folks. But I do firmly believe that there's definitely, there's, there's no question, there's a sense of indifference. That's, that's definitely a part of it. Uh, there's busyness of life. There's, there's a lot of things that you could list that I think people would tell you. But what I think a lot of it boils down to are two main points, and that's what I'd like to focus on. I'd like to highlight two main points that I think prevent a lot of people from coming to church and that if we alleviate these two points we could potentially open up the floodgates and see a tremendous amount of people coming into into mass each week so the two points that i'd like to put out are this i believe the two main reasons are doubt and guilt guilt and doubt what's guilt guilt basically that people have Listen, we're all sinners. We're all in need of the Lord's mercy. And I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again. And I, I don't know if it was Dr. Peter Kraft who said this, but that the church is, it's not a museum of saints, but rather a hospital for sinners, right? We're all sinners. We're all in need of God's mercy. That's why, that's why we're there, right? And it's that sense of humility to recognize uh, that, that we, we, we need God's grace, God's mercy to move forward and be happy. Jesus teaches that in the Last Supper, right? We, he says, we can't do anything without him, right? Our Lord says that, obviously not verbatim, but very, very similarly at the Last Supper, right? Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So we understand that we need Jesus to do anything at all. So guilt and doubt. Let's focus on those for a second. So guilt, basically people saying, well, people think to themselves that they're, they're not good enough. They've lived a sinful life and they really, they don't, their opportunity has passed. The life they've decided to live, they are not going to be a church going person. That's guilt, right? And the thing about guilt is this. Some people will tell you guilt's a bad thing. I, and, and I've read well, I always ask myself the, the question, what does Jesus say about guilt? And Jesus talks about that guilt can be used to bring us to repentance. Our Lord can use guilt to, to, to help us to change, to, to transform. So guilt 
it can be a good thing. There can be the bad uh, scru scrupulous guilt where we, you know, we've received the Lord's mercy, but then we doubt the goodness of God when we've maybe gone to confession. We, we, if we then think to ourselves, well, uh, maybe I wasn't really forgiven or whatever. The thing was that that would be a bad type of guilt. I don't want to, that, that's not where I want to spend my time right now. Where I do want to spend my time is the idea that guilt and doubt prevent many from coming back to church. So let's address both of these because we have to ask ourselves, what does Jesus say about guilt preventing someone from going to church? And what I'm what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to read from the diary of divine mercy. And there is this magnificent uh, exchange that St. Faustina witnesses between Jesus Christ and various souls in different conditions. Uh, it's actually, let's see here, diary notation. I'm going to get in the habit of giving the diary notation here. It's page 523 on my diary, but it's diary notation. Uh, it's 1485. All right. This opening, this is where St. Faustina is witnessing a conversation what it says, the conversation of the merciful God with a sinful soul. So anyone out there, if you're hearing this, or if you know someone that maybe isn't coming back to church because they feel guilty, that their sins, people feel that their sins are so great that God won't forgive them. That's how some people feel. It's one of the main obstacles to keeping people from church, as I've just said. So let's ask ourselves, what does, what does Jesus say? about that statement. What does Jesus say about that thinking? So here's what our Lord does say. And he's talking to a sin, a, a sinful soul. Jesus says, be not afraid of your savior. O sinful soul. I make the first move to come to you for. I know that by yourself, you are unable to lift yourself to me. Child, do not run away from your father. Be willing to talk openly with your God of mercy who wants to speak words of pardon and lavish his graces on you. How dear your soul is to me. I have inscribed your name upon my hand. You are engraved as a deep wound in my heart. The soul responds, Lord, I hear your voice calling me to turn back from the path of sin, but I have neither the strength nor the courage to do so. Jesus responds, I am your strength. I will help you. In the struggle, the soul responds, Lord, I recognize your holiness and I fear you. Jesus responds, my child, do you fear the God of mercy? My holiness does not prevent me from being merciful. Behold, for you, I have established a throne of mercy on earth, the tabernacle. And from this throne, I desire to enter into your heart. I'm not surrounded by a retinue of guards. You can come to me at any moment, at any time. I want to speak with you. And desire to grant you grace. The soul responds, Lord, I doubt that you will pardon my numerous sins. My mercy fills me with fright. I'm going to interrupt for just a split second. Remember, most people that are into this category, the category of guilt, what they're believing is this. They believe that their sins are so great that God won't forgive them. Let's listen to what Jesus says about that. Jesus responds, my mercy is greater than your sins and those of the entire world who can measure the extent of my goodness. For you, I descended from heaven to earth. For you, I allowed myself to be nailed to the cross. For you, I let my sacred heart be pierced with a lance. 
and thus opening wide the source of mercy for you. Come then with trust to draw graces from this fountain. I never reject a contrite heart. Your misery has disappeared in the depths of my mercy. Do not argue with me about your wretchedness. You will give me great pleasure. If you hand over to me all your troubles and griefs, I shall heap upon you the treasures of my grace. Saul responds, You have conquered, O Lord, my stony heart with your goodness. In trust and humility, I approach the tribunal of your mercy, which is the sacrament of reconciliation. Where you yourself absolve me by the hand of your representative, O Lord. I feel your grace and your peace filling my poor soul. I feel overwhelmed by your mercy, O Lord. You forgive me, which is more than I dared to hope for or could imagine. Your goodness surpasses all my desires. And now, filled with gratitude for so many graces, I invite you to my heart. I wandered like a prodigal child gone astray. But you did not cease to be my father. Increase your mercy toward me, for you see how weak I am. Jesus responds in his closing statement. Child, speak no more of your misery. It is already forgotten. Listen, my child, to what I desire to tell you. Come close to my wounds and draw from this fountain of life whatever your heart desires. Drink copiously from the fountain of life, and you will not weary on your journey. Look at the splendors of my mercy, and do not fear the enemies of your salvation. Glorify my mercy. Amen. couple points. Jesus is referring to, when he's talking about this fountain of life, our Lord, we learn in this diary, our Lord is very, very pragmatically talking about the sacred image in a very real way, a tangible way. Our Lord is talking about the sacred image where we see the left hand of Jesus, I'm sorry, the right hand of Jesus raised in blessing, the left hand of Jesus pointing at his sacred heart, which has pierced the blood and water flowing from the sacred heart of Jesus, which with the signature at the bottom, Jesus, I trust in you. That is the fountain of life Jesus is referring to. So keep that in mind. Secondly, we're seeing our Lord reinforce the power of the great sacrament of confession, which I talked about a couple weeks ago. That's where the greatest miracles take place. That is where the greatest miracles take place. So we have to remember that our, our Lord is saying, go to confession first, right? Go, that would be the best the best thing. Now listen, if you're in a position where you can't go to confession, right? Just turn, repent, beg the Lord for his mercy, turn from your sins, and trust in his mercy. Our Lord won't disappoint you. And the next opportunity you have to go to celebrate the sacrament of confession, get there and rejoice and receive the greatest miracles. The point I want to I really want to hold to hold to is exactly this. For those that think, and again, it's a feeling. It's not, it's, it's, it's not based on truth, because what is truth? Truth is what Jesus says, right? Jesus only speaks the truth. Everything that runs counter to our Lord's words is by definition untrue. So the statement, people feel their sins are so great that God won't forgive them, is by definition untrue, because Jesus completely flips that around and says, no, my mercy is so great. My mercy is so great that it's greater than your sins and those of the entire world. Amen. So that... This, I, I anticipate, I, I should say this, well, I do anticipate, but I also, I, I hope that we can destroy 
the burden of gout, the obstacle of gout with the mercy of Jesus in these examples that our Lord's giving to us, these teachings. Next point. What's the second other, the other big reason is, is doubt, right? What do people doubt? Well, first of all, they doubt the Lord's mercy. But what I'm referring to also is really the doubt. They doubt the power of God. They doubt the power. They doubt that they doubt their, their faith isn't well, uh, it may not be well informed. Let me start with this. They also doubt, okay, ready? The sense of being not properly catechized, which you can also say maybe not educated in a way where they know the truth. Book of St. Matthew, Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 16. I think it's verses 18, 19, right? Talk about it all the time. This is where Jesus founds his church upon St. Peter. You are Peter, and upon you I build my church, and the gates of the nether world shall not prevail against this church. Whatever I give you the, to you, I give to the keys. To you, I give the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is, this is the founding of the Catholic Church. So if, if one believes in Jesus, what's the opposite of belief is doubt. The opposite of doubt is belief. If you believe in Jesus, you believe in what he teaches, you believe in his words, you have to, by definition, one has to believe that Jesus founded the Catholic Church. It's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only church that was founded at that time. Right for 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 thousands over over a thousand years, every single Christian was a Roman Catholic. Right, every single every single Christian was a Catholic. the 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 church where we can go back and find every pope from from Pope Francis all the way back to Saint Peter at that moment is the Roman Catholic Church, the Catholic Church. Now, I say that because that's where these great sacraments, the fullness of truth, exists. So, doubt. People doubt a lot of things, but they, they, with their doubt, what I'm saying is this. If you believe Jesus is Lord, if you believe what he's teaching, you have to believe everything he said. And that's what he said about the Catholic Church. He founded it. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how tough things get, nothing will overcome the Catholic Church. Nothing will break it. Jesus made that promise. And he gives apostolic succession to the church. That so many questions of why we do what we do are answered in that scripture reading. To close this point, though, I really want to focus on, the, the, the point I really want to focus on is, is the doubt of power. Many people doubt the Lord's power. They don't doubt he can do it. They don't doubt, they think, many people think this, that their problems are so great, God can't handle them. Well, Let's ask ourselves a question. What does Jesus say about that statement? Well, why don't we do this? This I don't think I've ever done this reading. This is I know it's on page 116 of my diary. No, 115. So this is an early on during the apparitions. I don't have an exact date in front of me. But this is a, an eye-opening apparition. I'm just going to read verbatim. This is, you're going to hear an interchange between St. Faustina and Jesus. And Jesus is is going to address that way of thinking that people feel their problems are so great that God can't handle them. G, uh, Saint Faustina writes this. By the way, this is diary notation two twenty nine. Saint Faustina writes this at the beginning of the retreat. Jesus told me, and this is Jesus speaking. During this retreat, I myself will direct your soul. I want to confirm you in peace and love. Saint Faustina writes, and so the first few days passed. On the fourth day doubts began to trouble me 
Is not this tranquility of mine false? Then I heard these words from Jesus. My daughter, imagine that you are the sovereign of all the world and have the power to dispose of all things according to your good pleasure. You have the power to do all the good you want. And suddenly a little child knocks on your door, all trembling and in tears and trusting in your kindness, asks for a piece of bread, lest he die of starvation. What would you do for this child? Answer me, my daughter. St. Faustina responds, and I said, Jesus, I would give the child all it asked and a thousand times more. And the Lord said to me, this is Jesus responding. That is how I am treating your soul. In this retreat, I am giving you not only peace, but also such a disposition of, of soul that even if you wanted to experience uneasiness, you could not do so. My love has taken possession of your soul, and I want you to be confirmed in it. Bring your ear close to my heart, forget everything else, and meditate upon my wondrous mercy. My love will give you the strength and courage you need in these matters. Amen. So for those who think that their problems are so great that God can't handle them, Jesus is telling you this. He has the power. He's the sovereign of all the world. He has the power to dispose of all things according to his good pleasure. And he has the power to do all the good he wants. What he's asking is for us to trust in his kindness. So when I ask that initial question, now remember this too. Remember this too. I'm going to read this too because I feel it's very relevant right now. I wasn't planning on it, but this is diary, I think it's a diary notation 1728. And I think this, this, will, this will make a lot of sense. Forgive me while I'm, uh, forgiving the, uh, forgive me while I'm flipping the pages. I've read this before, but Jesus says this, write that I am thrice holy and I detest the small sin. I cannot love a soul which is stained with sin, but when it repents, there is no limit to my generosity toward it. I'm going to repeat that again. Write that I am thrice holy and I detest the small sin. I cannot love a soul which is stained with sin, but when it repents, there is no limit to my generosity toward it. Amen. Repentance is a major part of receiving the unlimited blessings of Jesus Christ. So that's the other part of this equation. If you're wondering why I, I do, that could very well be the missing link. So remember this too, that question, how do we lead many people back to church? How do we do that? Well, we help them understand that God's mercy is so great, it's greater than our sins and those of the entire world. And to obtain God's mercy, what we need to do is ask. Trust in His mercy. Do the best we can to repent of our sins. God's mercy, here's the, here's the great thing. God's mercy is so great, there's graces within that mercy that will make repentance much much easier. So you can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. We can't do it on our own. That's the whole point. So asking for God's mercy 
whether it be in the sacrament of confession, praying the chapel of the divine mercy, which Jesus taught in this devotion, which I highly recommend. If you don't have those minutes during the, if there, if it make the time to pray the chaplet, but if, if like you have just a moment, call upon the mercy of Jesus Christ, because Jesus also makes his promise. And I'll close with this. Jesus says this, no soul that is called upon my mercy has been disappointed or brought to shame. Amen. Calling upon the Lord's mercy, good things happen. Repentance happens. R- repentance happens. That 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 idea that guilt is an obstruction from coming back to church. It's it, it's it's a lie. It, it's a lie. Meaning, it's not coming from Jesus. It's not truth. Jesus says, "My mercy is so great; it's greater than your sins and those of the entire world." The other lie that people think that. Their problems are so great that God can't handle them. Jesus is saying, that's not true. He has the power to do all the good he wants. Let's ask him. Let's ask Jesus for his mercy. Let's trust in his kindness. Let's place all of our confidence in the mercy of Jesus Christ. Because we, Jesus also tells us, oh, how I love those souls who have complete confidence in me. I will do everything for them. My name is Dennis McGee Jr. Thank you for listening, supporting, and sharing the Jesus Only Speaks the Truth podcast.